0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, don't you love when someone sends you a hilarious meme during the week? And um, this was one that I saw this this past week that was totally appropriate to the season we're in. Can you put that meme up? Here it is. The face you make when you forget to pay your light bill. Some of you guys are gonna get that in a minute. I I showed this to someone that goes, wait, wait, I don't see a face. <laughs> um, hey, I want to honor my my parents, Bob and Ruthie Herbert, are here from Texas today. So thankful for them. They're amazing, and. Um, all right, who has who has their light bracelet on? Let me see it. Let me see it. Wave your hand in the air. Uh, if you don't have one, there's probably one in the seat in front of you. If not, you can get them in a basket on the way out. But we're wearing these. I actually uh, talked to a kid this week that said someone asked them at their school what this was all about, and they got to talk about Jesus and what our church is doing. Isn't that awesome? Um, okay, and then uh, if you didn't get a brochure, this is all about the project that we're in and what God's doing in our lives and through it. So you can grab one of these. They're in the seat in front of you. So make sure you take one home if you didn't get one last week. Lastly, for the kids this week, we're giving them this. Look at this. What is this? A light bulb. Isn't that cute? So uh, um, some of you really don't like us because we filled them with jelly beans. And, uh, but yeah, I guarantee your kids love us. And um, But anyway, this also serves as a little piggy bank for them to get involved. And some of you will take it home and go, wait, that lid is a little too small to get coins in. It's because we don't need coins. We need cash. (laughs) So so anyway, no, I I was given one of these as a kid when we were doing a project like this as a church. And it really let me own it. So that's that's why we're doing this for the children so they can be a part as well. Uh, One of the things I've really enjoyed as we've been going through this Let There Be Light series and, and talking about the Light Project is how it's impacting spiritually different, different ones in our congregation. And I had a chance to sit down with a wonderful couple this week and hear their hearts. So we're gonna go ahead and show you that video before we get started. All right guys, well obviously today we're talking about the Let There Be Light series. We've been discussing the Light Project, which is our families journey to build a facility on the 8th freeway to be like the city, the nations, and generations. And you guys are jumping in wholeheartedly, so why don't you introduce yourselves, tell us how long you've been with the church, and just what God has done in you since you've been with our All People's Family.
1: My name is Ryan Abel, and uh, my wife, Christine, we've been with the church for the last year, 12 months, and we have absolutely fallen in love, and just seeing the Holy Spirit's power just completely flooding this place not only here in the walls but even outside of these walls and it's lit a completely new fire in my life i feel like i have an entirely different relationship with the holy spirit
2: we have just met jesus in a whole new way and something that really hit home for me was hearing your and stephanie's story about how you guys have moved 12 times in six years when you moved to san diego and we had recently sold our home and then talking about when you actually got a home how you've always been a family but when you could actually put down roots how that allowed you to open up your doors to other people we had recently sold our home and that is my heart's desires to have open doors and to reach people for Jesus and so hearing that analogy about how same thing when this church has a home you're gonna be able to really reach out reach the community that struck a chord for me
0: so then you guys came and you gave this gift, and, and it was a faith gift. Take us into what was going on in your life and that, because it wasn't easy to do, and then doing that. What was going on? What the Lord provided to us is
1: 100% His. It all started on us praying first. I texted Christine, and I essentially said, hey, we need to pray about what to provide to the church and God's kingdom. And we just really couldn't like hone down on, anything uh, and couldn't agree and then we go to vision night and literally that drive home we're like we felt this complete peace on, on what to provide
2: initially the reason that we weren't even able to do this was because we sold our home and we're using most of that money to invest in ryan's business and to be honest that's not a guarantee that we'll see return i believe in my husband i believe in the vision but um, business is not always guaranteed, but the one thing that is guaranteed is that when we use our finances to honor the Lord, we know that He's gonna meet us there. And so I was nervous, of course, to to give like this, but at the same time, there's so much excitement and faith knowing that God is just gonna show up and honor that and honor us being faithful.
0: What are you hoping to see when, when we have built this light on a hill, we are stepping back uh, after the season of, of building the permanent home for all people. Church, what's your dream? What are you hoping that happens through it?
2: I'm totally gonna cry, but um, my hope is that God will just bless and be faithful to our future with our kids and their kids, that we'll be able to say we helped build this place with our faithfulness, and He has blessed our family a measure.
1: <laughs> All People's Church is is looking to expand into the nations, and to have that impact where we can be a resource and a well, and and supply God's kingdom. Um, everybody can have an integral part. It, there's nothing too small to give to God. God, it's your heart that God wants from you. I'm extremely excited with, with the vision and we are just getting started. And so, the Lord has blessed us so much, so much as it is, uh, and, and we are very excited to see where He's gonna continue to take our family and this church, and so we're, uh, we're so blessed to even be here. Man, we are so blessed to have you. Thanks
0: so much, guys. I
2: am not a crier. I can't believe <laughs> that made be me well,
0: not that great? you know what i love about walking in a church is that god so often uses what he's speaking in other brothers and sisters to really bring his word into our life and and that's what happened to me this past week one of uh the members of the life group that we've been in for the last 2 years uh Mallory Brown sent me this email Mallory and and Donald uh are, are our wonderful friends that have been walking this life group with us and she's been studying along in scripture this topic of light and how jesus talks about the light and and then she sent me this commentary and i've preached on this passage before but i had never seen it in this way and so if you have your bibles turn with me to matthew chapter six matthew chapter six if you have uh, a phone turn in your apps there because i want you to highlight some of these phrases so the verse that she was she was highlighting was the eye is the lamp of the body. Matthew 6:22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I've taught on this passage, I think it's very important, I think it's very powerful. I've taught that the principle that what you take in with your eyes will affect your body and will determine whether you're light or darkness. And I've particularly taught it when you take in sexual content or you take in violent content, that has an effect on your insides. And, and I do think that that's an application. But after I read it in the context of where it's placed in scripture, I realized that might not be the primary application. So let me let me show you where this is in scripture. This is fascinating. If you're looking at NIV, the, the topic over this segment of scriptures is this, treasures in heaven. Starts in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and there are thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also the eyes, the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So do you see that? Our eyes being full of light have to do with our vision of money. It's profound, I, I for some reason had had never seen it so clearly and so today what I wanna talk about, my sermon title is Jesus, Light, and Money. Jesus, Light, and money. And so let me read to you this excerpt from a commentary that Mallory sent me. It says this, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. The idea behind having a good eye is either being generous or single-minded. Both principles apply to the disciples' attitude towards material things. So where are you getting this? We get this from this Greek word. If your eye is good, If you look in the Greek, the word for good is haplos. And aplos, the, the direct translation of that is actually single or singular. If your eye is singular, what the Bible is saying is if your eye is single on the king and his kingdom, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye has a multiple focus on things, then your whole body is darkness. Watch this. Being single-minded, here's another excerpt from a commentary, being single-minded brings light to our lives, and we are also happier and more content. Who wants to be happier and more content? I know I do. I want to lead a church with people that are happy and content. When we focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all material things will be added to us matthew six thirty three that 's a promise, but when we 're double minded it 's as if your whole body is full of darkness. We try to live for two masters at the same time. it puts a dark shadow on everything in our life that 's just so bold. You know, I remember back in college when I really started studying the word of God for myself, I remember coming across that verse, do not store up treasures on earth, but instead store up treasures in heaven. And I had this realization. It was was as if a veil came off my eyes and I, I grew up in church. But as I looked around, it was as if I I could see, wow, so many people that are in church every Sunday and, and they want to love God. But if truth be known, their primary time and energy and even focus is on making money to just have a nice house and some nice clothes and a car and be able to go on vacation. And that is actually what they think about first. Like that's what they're seeing and looking at first over Jesus. I just thought, what the heck? Like, we've all been duped. And I think that's why God started dealing with me and Steph so intensely in this area. And so I I remember right, right when we got married, I'm once again meditating on this verse because we were in a season like we are as all people's church, it was the the season in our church called Antioch that we were building our first building, and I'm reading the scripture: "Do not store up treasure on earth, that moth and rust can destroy; these can break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven." And I had this thought come into my heart of, "I, I, I think we should." Well, well here's the deal: I, I I had a savings account; I had twenty nine thousand dollars in a savings account, and I had this thought: "I think." Maybe I should give that away to not store up treasure. And then I thought, you know what? You just got married. You should probably pass that through your wife. And, and let's be honest. I really was thinking, I'm gonna pass it through Steph and hopefully she'll be the rational one. And, and she'll pump the brakes and then maybe we won't do it, you know? And so I went to Steph and said, hey, um, so, you know, we're doing this as a church and I had this thought and we had the savings. What would you think about giving... Our savings account away to the Lord, and she goes, "Yeah, let's do it." And I went, "Whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait! should we pray about this first? She's like, "No, let's do it." And I'm like, "No, no, no, we're gonna pray. We're going And so I led us into a season of prayer. And 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 when we came to the end of it, we felt very clearly we were supposed to write a check for twenty-seven thousand out of the twenty-nine thousand, and. And man, it was, that was not easy for me. And I remember coming on that, that big giving day and putting a check for $27,000 in the offering plate. And what I wasn't prepared for was this freedom and joy when I let it go. I, I mean, it was in the top most joyous moments of my life. And then I definitely wasn't expecting what would happen next because I'm, I'm in prayer and I feel like God speaks to my heart Robert, I want you to actually build a house. And I, 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 I'm like, wait a second, God. Um, what, you don't understand how finances work on earth <laughs> <laughs> because you just had me give all my money away and it takes money to build a house. And all I got is two little thousand dollars, Lord. And I, but I felt like I was saying, I want you to build a house and I want you to do it debt-free. And, and so I'm like, oh, God. And, and so I went and told Steph, hey, I think we should do this. She's like, awesome. Steph. Uh, and so I go, okay, well, I got to be obedient. This is ridiculous. It's impossible. Uh, but I, I went to talk to a builder in my church and said, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to build a house. And he's like, great. I said, well, maybe not so great because uh, I'm supposed to do it debt free. He goes, great. And I said, maybe not so great because I actually don't have any money. And I'm expecting him to, like, laugh me out of the room. And he looks at me and goes, well, unfortunately, I don't have money to help you. But he goes, but I have a wealthy heavenly father. And he is generous to his kids. So I'll do it. And God will provide. Wow. That marked me. So I'm going, wow, we're going to do this. And then... I wasn't prepared for what happened next because this missionary comes home from off the field and she doesn't have a car. And this thought kind of comes into my heart, like, what are you gonna do about it? And I thought, nothing, (laughs) I'm gonna do nothing about it. And I knew that's not the right answer. And so I'm like, oh God, not my last two little thousand dollars. And so we, we called her and we said, we want to meet with her on a Saturday morning. And we said, hey, um, we want to give you this to help you towards getting a car. And I hand it and I'm like, God, I'm out. Like, I'm done. I felt so broken and dependent on the Lord. That night, we go to a wedding. And at that wedding is my builder. And my builder comes up to me and he goes, hey, Robert, um, you need to sit down. And I'm like, oh, no. Because, you know, when someone tells you to sit down before they give you news, it's usually not good news. He goes, I need you to sit down because someone has decided to give you a gift to help you start this house. And and he was like, it's a big gift. Someone just gave you $20,000. And I thought, wow, $2,000 in the morning, $20,000 in the afternoon. That is a good return. (laughs) Now, it it wasn't easy. But over the next 18 months, we saw 100% of the money come in. We we didn't ask anyone for it. We didn't go around telling people what we were doing, but we saw 100% of the money come in to build a house debt-free. We owned it outright at the end. And and I I don't usually talk about this part, but I'll never forget walking in by myself after we completed that house and sitting down and looking around and going, you know, God, when you asked me to give all my money away, I thought I was going to live in a little shack in the inner city. And, and God, instead, you gave me this so much more than I ever hoped for. You know, I I thought God was wanting to ruin me, honestly, financially. And what God showed me is he's so much more generous than I ever thought he was. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I believe God wants to rewire our understanding of trusting in him for finances and so this week I'm on a run and, and and while I'm running and just just praying God starts unpacking for me a, a story that I'd never thought of in this way that that really the center of it was all about finances and that was the story of the prodigal son and he started just highlighting all these things. So I want to unpack it today because I'd never looked at it this way before. Because he, here's what I need to tell you, that, 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 that the, the Bible says this, the, the love of money uh, brings all kinds of evil. A- and what I find is that the number one reason for divorce, this is statistics show this, not just outside the church, but in the church, the number one reason for divorce is money. And here's what I see in extended families. The number one thing that drives families apart and causes separation and pain is money. And lastly, as a pastor, watching people for the past 20 years, the number one thing that keeps people from living out the fullness of their calling is either love for money or fear of finances. And so God wants to deal with this area so we can be free. So I just want to unpack this story for you. And it's amazing. Luke 15, verse 11 is where we're going to begin. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Do you know that the beginning of the prodigal son story is a kid saying, I want my own money to do with it what I want. And so then it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in while living. This sin is this: the squandering of wealth on his own desires. Now watch where it leads. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. Here's what we have to know when we break biblical principles we suffer the negative consequences if we break the principles that our father has set out for us then we'll suffer the negative consequences father god never wants us to have to live in that kind of need and desperate place but when we go off and do it ourselves that's what brings the severe famine in the land and it says this he he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. When money controls us instead of the Father, that's how we end up in dead-end jobs. I think so many people aren't doing what they were created to do, called to do, or would love to do because they chased after money instead of following the Lord's will. And then did you see this next part? He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When we live with a view of money, it actually starts warping our desires. When we're chasing after money, when money's our Lord, it starts warping our desires. So all of a sudden, this young boy who used to eat wonderful meals at his father's home is all of a sudden longing for pig slop. And then it says this, but no one would give him anything. Why? Because he had no favor on his life. When you live a, a generous life, you reap back favor, you reap back generosity. I started noticing this in college, I started giving to people and all of a sudden, I started receiving from all different places. It was the weirdest thing, it was like something just got unlocked, why? Because you reap what you sow. So you're generous, you reap generosity. And you're generous in Bible, the Bible says God will be generous with you. But this boy got nothing. Why? Because it was all about him, and he did with his money what he wanted. And that's why it says no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He realized in my father's ecosystem, there's plenty. There's actually more than enough. And and the people, even even the ones who were just hired hands, not even my dad's kids, but even the hired hands, if they get my dad's ecosystem, they have all their needs met and more more so. Isn't that amazing? That was his realization. So then it says that he goes back, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Now watch this. But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him. You know, even in his punkishness, the dad was still just searching for him, looking for him. And it says this, that he saw him and he's filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The secret to you having faith in finances is understanding God's father's heart for you. I expected a lot more that's good than one that's good. (laughs) Because God's not just about finances. God's about affection. And so he runs to him. Can't you see just the big dad? And runs to him and wraps him up and kisses him. But then look what happens next. it's it's financial. What happens next has to do with finances. It says that the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He repents. And that one little repentance sets off like this chain reaction. Can can I just tell you, you might have felt like you've blown it financially your whole life. You might have felt cursed your whole life financially. Just repent. Just turn to God and, and he can make all things new. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let me just explain what's going on here. The father says, bring a robe. Like I thought if I gave my finances to the Lord, that he'd just want me abased and living in suffering. But Jesus says, no, the father's heart is actually to cover you. And it doesn't just say robe, it's his best robe. Like, I don't just tell my kids, now go off to school and here's some Trader Joe's bags for your feet, you know, and they're, thanks, Dad. You know, but that's how we think that God's gonna be with us. No, I actually like it when my boys are like, oh, these are so cool, Dad, these shoes. You know, a father loves to bless his kids, right? I mean, the best robe, and then it says, put a ring on his finger. A ring was identity. Like, you're a kid of a king, And then it was also, it would have an insignia and then they'd put it in in wax and that would be their spending line. And so he's saying, I'm not just providing for you now. In the future, you're gonna be provided for. And then he said, put sandals on his feet. Why? It's because so oftentimes we think if I give everything to God, he just wants me to live this life of suffering all the time. But no, we put sandals on his feet so you don't have to step on stickers and, and hard rocks or that hot Coronado sand, He, he's saying, I'm gonna put sandals on your feet. And then I love this next part, kill the fat and calf. That was the, the best, the best food in the house. And he says, let's have a feast and celebrate. He, you know, as a kid, I went to, to birthday parties. And as, a, as a, a teenager, I'd go to parties. But what you start realizing when you're an adult is that parties cost money, right? And if you have, if you have a kid for you parents in the room and you have to have a birthday party, you're like, ooh. Right. And if you have four kids, Lord, help you. Right. And this, listen to what father God is saying. I want to celebrate. Let's have a feast. It's not just provision enough. It's no, the father's heart is I actually celebrate my kids. And some of you are like, oh, Robert, you're taking an awful lot out of this parable. Let, let, me, let me actually look at the life of Jesus for a minute and, and show you that, that, that this is really his heart. There was a time that Jesus went to a wedding. And this is his, his first miracle. And, and his first miracle was not to just meet a need. He goes way beyond that. Let me take you into it in John chapter two. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Well, let me just give you a little context. If on the third day of a wedding feast, some wine ran out, i if it was me, I would have been like, oh, that's not a big deal. At least I had some wine for three days, and good. No one's going to get a little too inebriated, you know? But Jesus was different. Jesus said, wow, it's yeah, it's probably not a need, but... I want people to be blessed. So watch what he says. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial, watching each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Okay, and and, and what we know is then Jesus said, so go fill up those six jars. And then he turned the water into wine. And then it's served. And they say, that's not just wine. That's the best wine. Wine Now, amazing story, right? But have you ever thought of the financial implications of the story? So I did the math this week. I had a lot of fun doing this. I actually did the math to just think about the financial implications of this miracle. So here we go. Six times 20 gallons there were six jars, 20 gallons each. it would be 120, or they might have been 30 gallons, 180. So I just thought, let's be very conservative. And, and take the middle number, 150 gallons. So Jesus made 150 gallons of wine. Okay, so what is that? A standard bottle of wine is 750 milliliters. That's not even one gallon, okay? So a case of wine is 12 bottles. A case contains nine liters or about 2.4 gallons. So that's, that's bringing a whole case. You bought 2.4 gallons of wine. So let's just keep going. An average bottle of wine, I looked this up, is $15. Now, I know that's not two buck chuck, but a good bottle of wine is $32. But look, if you, if you got a great bottle of wine, that's $50. And, 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 and some people, you, there's much more expensive wine, but we're being conservative here. So one bottle of wine, a great bottle of wine, $50. Okay, let's keep going. So 150 gallons divided by 2.4 gallons, which would be a case of bottles of wine, equals 63 cases of wine. Guys, Jesus showed up with 63 cases of wine. <laughs> Keep going. 63 cases times 12 bottles of case equals 756 bottles of wine. That's a wedding present. But now watch this. Watch the financial implications of this. 756 bottles of wine times $50 equals $37,800. Here's the moral of the story. You want Jesus to show up at your party. (laughs) Jesus shows up and gives a $37,800 wedding gift. And we don't even know the names of these people at their wedding right? Imagine if this would have been Peter's wedding. <laughs> this is an amazing miracle. And it's all just to bless people. He, he, he's, because so many of us think, you know, uh, God, I, I want you when I want you, but, but stay away from my party. <laughs> and the moral is, no, you want him to get involved in your parties. You want Jesus to show up in your life because he is a God of blessing. Let's finish this way. Matthew Back to Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more cl- clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagan runs after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. Here's a point. The pagan world is spending their whole life running after those things. And there's going to be many people who live on earth that at the end of their life, all they're going to have to show for all their time was maybe a home and maybe a car and some clothes. And God's saying, no, let your life count for treasures in heaven. And by the way, I'm going to give you all the other things. So, so that is actually why I'm so excited for us to be in this light project, this this opportunity we all have to be generous towards the Lord and be generous towards his kingdom in building a place of light for the city and the nations and the generations because it makes each one of us and each one of our families have to make a decision. Are my eyes gonna be singular on the kingdom or are they gonna be, have a multiple focus on all the things that I want? And as we make that decision, God can set us free. So let me just really quickly take you into to how me and my wife and my family is processing it. So what did we do? As we came to the, the Light Project, we said, okay, so God, what are we going to give? So the first thing we took before the Lord was our home. We said, God, do you want us to give our home to you? Because there, there's nothing that we, we shouldn't have open hands with before the Lord. Everything I have is his. And so we say, God, is it our home? We, we, we sold that last home. We sold it and gave the money away. And and, and I'm not worried because if we do that, God's going to provide again for us. But as we saw the Lord, we felt like I was saying, no, that's not it. Not this time. And so then I went to my cars. That's the next valuable thing I have. And when my cars, God, should I give our cars? Should we do that? And, And we've done that before to, to ministry and God provided again. And, and we felt like no. So then we went to our savings account and said, Lord, what should we do? Should we do this? And that's where we felt like God said yes. And so we're emptying our savings account for that because we know God is our provider and our security, not a savings account. And, and, and then we said, But God, that's we want to give more than that. But we don't have it, so what are we gonna do? So so we felt a number that we could give monthly. And and not out of our just overage, but out of our need, and so we'll have to believe God to provide for us. And then we said, but we want our kids to really get involved and to really experience this. So we all prayed as a family and said, kids, what, what can we give? Something that's valuable. And we all had this peace about we're going to give our pet alpacas to the Lord. And um, don't worry, we're not going to like bring them and put them on the land. and uh, We're going to sell them. And, and and we said, we'll, we'll sell some, some other things too. And you know what? That... Why do we want to do that? Because we want to be a family of faith. And we want our kids to understand our finances are to advance the kingdom more than for what we can have. And so uh, this is not the day where we're going to make commitments or do that. But w- what I do want to do is hand out the commitment card so you can take it and start praying over it for you and your family. So why don't we go ahead and pass this out? Kendall, why don't you come up and explain this uh, practically
3: for us? All right, what a great word from Robert this morning, guys. Let's cheer him on. Well, hey, uh, welcome to my life, a life of transitions. And so uh, what a great word on the prodigal son, on light, Jesus, and money, amazing revelation, and obviously Robert being very vulnerable, what his family is going to give, even their alpacas, and now I get to go over the commitment details card with everyone. But here's what I know is that God is into details. Amen? I know I got at least one amen -er over here on the front, because I heard him during the sermon. But um, you you know, um, in the Old Testament, when they were building the temple, David even counted the number of nails it would take. Isn't that amazing? We see Jesus in this miracle of the wine. I love the math, you know, as we study that. And there's some math we need to look at, because this miracle is going to happen, but it's going to require all of us, and it also requires us understanding what it's going to take. So just to review, on this uh, two-year gift chart here on this page, this is uh, basically what we're praying in and believing for as a church family. And if you need guidance on how to pray or what kind of gift God may have you make on that groundbreaking offering weekend, November 3rd and 4th, you can look at this chart as an example. Again, it's just an example. Um, but you know what we're saying is, let God place you on this chart. Uh, we're a hearing and obeying church. We, we're, we're believing God that he's going to speak and direct us. And here's what we know is if we all pray and all hear God and respond to what he says, God's going to work it out. Amen. If we, all, if we all pray and we're all engaged. So just keep that in mind. On the other side is the part I wanna to highlight today. This is our commitment card. And so this is what we'll be filling out that weekend of November 3rd and 4th. And a few things I wanna highlight about this card. The first thing is the top here that has the personal information. As we're filling this out as a church family, our administrative staff would be very blessed if you would print clearly. So just wanna mention that to you. Thank you so much. And on the second part of the card, this is where the the math and the miracles come in. This is where we're making our commitments, our two-year commitment above and beyond our tithe and regular giving to the Light Project. And I want to show you some examples of how that might look about how different people might make a commitment above and beyond their regular giving. So the math and how it all comes together just might start making sense to you. So we have some sample cards here. Here's a card from George generous. Thank you, George, for your generous gift to the light project. And so you can see here, George made a $500 monthly commitment multiplied by 25 months that came out to $12,500. He gave $2,000 of cash or check that November 3rd and 4th weekend, and then also gave $4,000 of stored assets. And so we have processes in place to receive stocks and bonds and assets like that. And so that added up to $6,000, and so his total two-year commitment above and beyond his regular giving was $18,500. Thank you, George. And we're praying God's blessing on George's family. Okay, let's keep going. Another example, Carl Cashman. Okay, Carl and Carla, they prayed, and they felt that they should give a $50,000 one-time gift. And so they wrote that there, and they gave that that weekend of November 3rd and 4th, and that was completing that, that card from the Cashman family. All right, we'll continue now to Many monthly. Come on, many. So what's amazing about this is, you know, many felt led to give $300 a month and that added up to $7,500 during the course of her pledge. And I want to highlight that because that really shows the power of a monthly gift, doesn't it? Um, how that can add up and kind of place us on this chart maybe in a different place than we'd expect. So uh, keep going to the next one now. Now we'll look at Sammy Stockbroker. Okay, so Sammy gave $100 a month for 25 months, $2,500, uh, a cash and check gift. And then he also gave some stored assets, stocks, bonds, et cetera. And that added up to $15,000. So just some examples for you and your family to consider as we pray and start discussing and looking practically at this amazing Miracle Weekend groundbreaking offering we're gonna have November 3rd and 4th. Robert, why don't you come close us in prayer. Way to go, Kendall. Why don't we stand up?
0: I wanna just end by doing this. Why don't we close our eyes and would you just place your hand on your heart? And what I sense that God wants to do is he just wants to free our hearts. I think there's more fear concerning finances than probably any other fear in our country and in our lives. And so I just wanna pray that God would take that fear away from us. Father, we ask right now that we would have hearts of faith, not hearts of fear in the area of finances. Lord, I am praying for that revelation as we have our hands on our heart, that we'd have a revelation of a loving Father who delights to take care of us. God, this is one of the most beautiful areas to see your hand at work and to feel your nearness. And I am praying for every single one of my brothers and sisters in this room, every man, every woman, every child in this room, that they would know your goodness that's in your heart towards them. And Lord, I'm praying for a great healing of of hearts, for ones that grew up in in the choking grip of poverty, for ones that grew up in families that have been greedy, in ones that have suffered through divorce or, or experienced a divorce and it was based on financial hurt and pain. I am praying a healing right now. And now Lord, I'm asking for the gift of faith In finances. Would you just start praying? Just start praying out loud right now. Whatever you need in your heart so that you can be free in this area because with freedom comes joy. With freedom comes peace. With freedom comes people being helped. With freedom comes dreams being lived out. With freedom comes living out the will of the Lord. God, we're asking for a free church, Lord. And I believe that you can do amazing things with a free people.